0: Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm your host Luke Velasco. We are, of course, joined by Tony Mulvey. Tony, it's great to have you back here yet again. And Tony, we've got a we've got a very special episode here today. We do indeed. Very special episode here. I hope we're talking about the same things because otherwise yeah. that could be a little confusing. But anyways, no, we've got we've got an excellent episode today. We're, we're talking about um, uh, we're we're going to be talking covering about you know bids and how bid cycles have changed in the timeline of that. Very excited. Um, and while we could sit up here and talk about that a lot, we're going to be joined by uh, a special guest, um, uh, uh, Kyle Jepson, who's the senior VP of product over at Emerge shortly. Um, but be- before we ha- before we bring Kyle on here to talk about some of that, um, uh, Tony, I want to just talk. You know, when people hear bid, kind of what's the what's the nature of you know the thought process?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when you think bid, I mean, the traditional RFP, right? That that pricing and in- you're talking on an annual basis, those contracts yeah. on an annual basis. And what we've seen, really a pandemic kind of spurred it on where, hey, maybe shorter bids, that more dynamic pricing make a little more sense. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen the run up in contract rates and spot rates on the way up, right? Now we're yeah. seeing it on the way down as well. So this is where those shorter bids, that dynamic pricing can yeah. kind of both on the carrier and shipper side, what we're seeing, Uh I mean, you can kind of get some of those yeah. give and take.
0: Yeah, something I, I want to I bring up. We'll, we'll dive into some Sonar data later later in the show, but I do want to bring up one chart before then. Uh, it's our CAS index. Now, a lot of folks are familiar with CAS. It's not a data set that's necessarily proprietary to Freeways, but it is, it is in Sonar. Um, and, and one thing that's unique, I think, about the Cas Index, there's a lot of history there. We'll get it pulled up here in just a second, but it's got it's got a lot of history, and you can see a lot of different freight cycles with it. Um, and there it is, right there. So what I want to draw attention to here, th- this is this isn't really the real time aspect of data. That's not really what this this index is designed to show. But I've got three different time periods there, circled, okay, or ellipsied or whatever you call those. Um, the, the circle all the way on the left there, that's kind of that, that, that mid-2000s boom that we saw leading up until 2008. You know, that was, a, a lot of folks consider that one of the, one of the biggest heydays of the trucking market, or, or some folks do, a lot of folks. I wasn't around in the industry during that time, so I can't really speak much to it. But I mean, you know, during that time, early 2000s up until 2008, I mean, the trucking market there, you see that cycle. I mean, that was, that was a massive boom in the, in the market. Then you kind of have the next cycle there, that middle circle there. And that's really that, you know, 2010 to like 2016 time period. I think a lot of folks who are in the industry now, that's kind of been a lot of their experience. Very steady. I mean, you can see there, it's very steady. You have a a little bit of a cyclical nature there. But for the most part, you know where those bottoms are. You know where those tops are. And then you get into the most recent circle now, which is really 2018 to like now, and we've seen some crazy highs, we've seen some crazy lows, some the, the volatility is totally different. So I think when, when we talk to a lot of folks about the market, this is where a lot of folks say, you know, hey, this is where what the market typically does. And it's like, that may have been true, but that cycle, that cycle might be gone. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what this picture, that's that's the takeaway from here is like, you know, the the industry's gone through a lot of different cycles. And it's more a question of where do we come out in this cycle?
1: Yeah. I, Zach Strickland actually had this exact chart this morning in a carrier update, yeah. talking about this CAS data. And you look at that 2010 to 2016 range, and it's kind of, as he put it, it's kind of like that, like an EKG, right? Yeah. At the at the doctor's office, it's pretty normal, pretty steady. You've got your ebbs and flows. And then you get into 2020, really 20. I mean, even 2018 into 20 to now, right? the boom and bust is a lot bigger now yeah. than it was just that 2010 to 2016 yeah. so like
0: and more unpredictable too yeah and we the, don't boom and bust to the same levels
1: yes and, and it's not just that it's i guess the pain not pain felt on both sides but on the up and down i mean there's a lot more to gain the risk rewards a lot bigger yeah. now right instead of before it was kind of in this kind of fixed range and now it's kind of blown out on yeah. both sides from what we would normal what you would think would be
0: in that normal range that we saw in 2010 to 2016 that's a that's a great point i think this is a great time let's let's transition here we're going to bring in uh kyle Jepson here again he's the senior vp uh, of product over at emerge and kyle's actually been on the show before so we're excited to have him back here and kyle um hey kyle are you are you with us here on the on the lawn
2: i am yes how's it going gentlemen
0: Fantastic. Glad to have you here. And uh, I'm already like, I'm a dad now. And I said on the line instead of online with us. So we, we're just going to move past that one. But anyways, uh, Kyle, thanks for joining us here. You know, um, uh, first off, why don't we just kind of for, for maybe some viewers who are more familiar with you last time. Can you give us just kind of like the, the 30 second overview of, of Emerge? We're very familiar with, with Emerge. I know your customers are, but maybe for those who aren't as familiar, you know, who is Emerge?
2: Yeah. So Emerge is changing the way that freight is procured in the United States. Uh, fundamentally, we are building products for shippers and carriers to better manage procurement from the spot quoting platforms to our RFP platforms. Um, in addition to that, we also help carriers source new capacity through our marketplace. So um, trying to ultimately create tools to streamline operations for shippers, for carriers and bring them together in a marketplace. Awesome. That's great.
1: And, and it really it kind of ties into the theme, right, that we've talked about really for the past few years. And it's becoming even more of a talking point uh, just in the past couple weeks is the shorter bid cycle, right? The, and shorter bid processes. I mean, you're starting to see they've almost become the norm, especially like on the way up, you kind of talked about it because, or carriers liked it because they could get higher rates on contract. They don't have to reject as many and it kept their trucks moving while well, on the downside or on the downward movement of a freight cycle, right? Shippers like, these shorter bid cycles because they can, pricing's dynamic, right? It's changing to market conditions. What do you think? Why do you think these shorter bid cycles are a good thing in
2: the freight industry? Yeah. Well, volatility is here to stay, right? We've seen a lot of volatility over the last 24, 36 months. Um, Shorter bid cycles really help both shippers and carriers better predict what's going to happen, right? Depending on the characteristics of the freight, the market conditions or the lane conditions, It may or may not make sense to do shorter bid durations, really depending on kind of your network and how to optimize that. So there's a lot of opportunities for shippers and carriers to work better together, create more efficiencies and really drive more value working together by running these shorter bid cycles. Um, You're avoiding some of the volatility. You're able to predict with the data, things like Sonar, for example, really help shippers see what's going on in the market so that they can react to that.
0: Kyle, from your perspective, right, you know, are these the shorter bid cycles seem to be coming up a lot more. Are they here to replace these annual bids that we see or do they can they work in tandem together? And is there a strategy for that?
2: Yeah, I really see them working in tandem together, right? Annual events are still going to occur. Shippers have freight that's consistent throughout the year. And that makes sense to put it into an annual event. You wanna lock the carriers in, you wanna be consistent with that. If you've got the peaks and seasonality, the valleys in that and or, their seasonality in those lanes, sometimes it's gonna make sense to run shorter bids or or really optimize your network based on those lane trends, your volatility in your network, and ultimately what you forecast in terms of your supply. So really, I think they're here to supplement those annual bids in a way that benefits both parties. No more am I just gonna average out the total number of lanes that I ran last year and put that into my bid. I can start to better understand the data and analytics behind that, see what is my consistent freight, put that out into an annual bid, and then break up those seasonal trends into these mini bids or smaller bids that um, don't leave carriers thinking they're going to be receiving tenders, never getting anything, and ultimately walking away.
1: Yeah, I think you bring up a great point there right at the end, talking about these carriers expecting freight, right, and never like, not getting it. And then they just flow, kind of flow into the spot market, which is yeah. obviously extremely volatile, as we've seen just in the past six, eight weeks. What do you... So going through these shorter bid cycles, like what benefits do carriers really get? I mean, I get both sides of it, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of get that, the removing of that, those, that volatility, but how does that impact a carrier when they're running that, sh- that shorter bid that, hey, maybe rates are going down, but we want the annual rate that we agreed to,
2: say, six months ago? Really, I think it's more predictability for the carriers, right? If the freight is never going to materialize because the shipper is going to go to the spa market, um, you know, until we really have binding contracts, both sides have to ride the market on the ups and the downs. So those shorter contracts help you lock in a rate, get secured capacity or or demand, I guess, in that case for the carriers. So more predictability. It's guaranteeing you you're going to see those tenders come to fruition and building stronger relationships on both sides. Who, have, you, have
0: you had any experience yet here, Kyle, with, with either side being more eager to get into short of bids? Is it, are shippers kind of driving that right now? Is it carriers or is it, is it uh, a mutual, uh, mutual uh, discussion coming, coming to the table? Yeah.
2: We've seen a lot more from the shipper side. You know, really, we've watched the market kind of going up, right? Shippers didn't want to lock in those long-term contracts because they didn't want to fix themselves into these yeah. rates. So really, it's being driven on the shipper side. I think we're going to see the counter side of that now where carriers might be more interested in this because they don't know where prices are going to go. So um, I think both sides are going to start to see the normalcy that volatility is here. And how do we work through that volatility together in a way that doesn't lock one of us uh, into something that's not going to make sense three, six months from now? Um, Especially, as I said, in those lanes where there's just not consistency. If it's consistent, you know, you can ride those waves, but when there's volatility there, it's, it's a lot harder.
1: Yeah, I think, again, that goes kind of back into what carriers really want yeah. is they, wanna, they want consistent freight that keeps them moving because that's how they make money when they're loaded, right? So, yeah, I mean, how do you how does both the carrier and shipper kind of know when to run these mini bids like in the year? Like, is it just a short term blip that, hey, maybe it's a week? of volatility in the market. Like does it or is it, hey, we've seen a monthly trend or two month trend now. Let's start reevaluating to go into the maybe a shorter bid cycle.
2: Yeah, I'd say really it's the shippers demand forecasts, right? What do they see that is gonna come in from seasonality? There's the overall market demand, supply and demand in and out of markets for seasonal trends. And Companies like Freightways with the Sonar product are, are bringing for the first time the ability to make real-time decisions a lot faster than you could before. I'd say previously you had to wait a month, two months into a cycle to be prompted to do that. Um, at this point, uh, using things like Sonar, you're, you're able to get insight into that and respond a little bit quicker, run that bid maybe in a weekly or even you know within a month of those cycles starting to occur.
0: Kyle, thinking of flipping flipping to the other side of the equation here and looking at the operational side of it, right? So I have a lot of conversations with shippers here today, and um, you know, and as as I'm sure you you do as well. And um, uh, a common reoccurring theme I hear come up a lot is, you know, hey, we we love the idea, we want to be able to take advantage of some of that volatility. We understand it's here to stay, but you know, some of these shippers, um, you know, it, it can be very taxing to run an RFP. You know, where does you know, as we as we get into this process of maybe running more running more RFPs or mini bids, right? You know, what are those what are those solutions look like um, from the shippers' perspective to kind of you know who may be, who may not have the uh, the staffing and the infrastructure to really run those on a consistent basis?
2: Yeah, I'd say you know tools are changing today. The technology that's available to run mini bids to support these events, you know, quickly, easily, and in a streamlined manner. Is actually here. Companies like Emerge and a few others out there are bringing these to the table and, and opening this up so that it can be done by shippers. You know, legacy RFP products were incredibly cumbersome. You know, they're quite powerful, but they're very difficult to operate, to administer, and to run those events. So, um, the things like Emerge is op- uh, doing with our ability to, you know, lowest cost optimization, even constraint based optimization. Uh, the ability to quickly create those bids um, and put those out to your network is is really here for the first time that we've seen in, in the last couple of years. So the tools have come a long way and the technology that allows us to do that without the administration that uh, some of these larger annual RFPs take.
0: What's that? Is there, is there sort of an approximate? I know everybody's a little bit different, but is there an approximate? Like when you guys are working through a bid with a shipper, like is there a certain amount of like time that you often see that you guys are able to compress that bid Compared to you know maybe more of, of traditional legacy products.
2: Yeah, I mean on the mini bit side, we see people who are running monthly or quarterly bids in less than a 24 hour window, right? From creation to ultimately awarding those that's and ending that. Yeah. Um, so that you know that's on the faster side. We were seeing you know the average I'd say is about a week to run an event for a monthly or quarterly is what we tend to see now. Yeah. Um, however, when we were talking to shippers one two years ago. We're seeing that you know annual events are taking sometimes up to you know six months to plan, a month to get the carriers in there, and then a month to analyze that. Yeah. So we've been able to reduce that for the most part. You know, not the planning phase—that's something the shippers are, are still struggling with—but the actual execution of the bid is something that you can do very easily. And um, most of our shippers are even able to run an annual event in less than three weeks. That's awesome. And and you touched on data, right? That. That
1: some of these shippers and carriers are both are, are kind of missing, or they don't necessarily take advantage of when going through a bid cycle. How how is that advantageous? Like you understanding the data and basically being able to play the volatility kind of in their favor throughout these little the the mini bids,
2: and then even an annual bid. Yeah, so I'd say traditionally these tools, there's been a lot of data available in the industry. The ability to analyze, synthesize, and come up with actual insights from that has really been the hardest part. Um, That's a major focus of a lot of the tools and where I really see the majority of the industry moving from an analytics standpoint is not only showing you the data, but helping give you the recommendations on what you can do. You know, how long to go to bid, what lanes to go to bid, and ultimately what price you should start to expect from those. So I think the, you know, the real time nature of the data and the ease to receive suggestions on what to do with that data are starting to change that and make it a lot more actionable for both sides.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's that actionable stuff that is it's really important because I know I know shipper, shippers as big as a lot of them are have had a lot of historic data but it's all been kind of what do I do with it? How do yeah. I kind yeah. of take it in ingest their own data and know how to use it but then also ingest outside data to kind of either confirm what they're seeing or act, change their course of action. So uh, Kyle, how can people learn more about Emerge and all the things that you all are doing throughout these shorter uh, RFPs and through the whole freight procurement process?
2: Yeah, they can visit us at emergemarket.com. Uh, we're also gonna be at the Freight Waves Conference and the Gartner Conference. So anyone who's out there, feel free to stop by or reach out to us on the website.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you, Kyle, so much for joining us. Yep. I'm and sure you heard
0: it—you heard it from Kyle himself. He's buying everybody drinks at uh, future supply chain. That's what I heard. So,
2: Emergerita. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we might need to get, get an official drink named after that. That that might be. We might need to put a few concoctions together. Talk to the, uh, talk to the bartenders there. See if there's some something they can work up. Awesome. Well, thanks,
1: Kyle, for joining us today. I'm sure we'll we'll talk to you again soon on with Sonar.
0: Take care, Kyle. Thanks, thanks for thanks for dropping some wisdom. Great stuff there. Great stuff. Absolutely. I mean, Rockstar. I was incredibly impressed. I mean, he, he talked. He's so, so true, right? The, Like, it's one thing to have all of this data, and I know everybody, you know, Sonar does a, obviously an incredible job of, of providing the data, but, you know, he talked about how do you execute on that? And a lot of these shippers, they, they're not really designed to have the bandwidth to really you know, digest it um, or to be super nimble. And the fact that they can go through an execution process of a bid in as quick as 24 hours, in some cases. Um, or even a week on kind of the slower end. That's, that's really remarkable.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's this legacy process that, like you said, it's yeah. taken months before. I mean, you take a month to put it out, a month to analyze it. Well, if you can condense that into a week I mean, or three weeks. I mean, three weeks. Yeah. If you condense two months of work into three weeks or even a month, you have cut that work
0: in half. Yeah, I mean, Except, imagine how much labor you can now redistribute to more meaningful tasks. Yeah, for sure. All right. I mean, that's the key. Um, it's exciting. I wanted to, as we kind of pivot here, I wanted to give a little update into where the the market is here uh, with freight. We, we've been talking a lot about the softening in the in the freight market, particularly the the truckload market. And We're talking about a freight recession coming. Still seems like that that's the play that's happening. Of course, things could change, but as of right now, it still seems to be the trend that's taking place. Um, but what's really remarkable is is um, Tony. I, I've talked to a lot of people, and they're like, you know, hey, busy season's going to come here. You know you know, reefer is really gonna pick up as, uh, as, uh, as that busy season uh, arrives. But that really hasn't been the case. In fact, reefer is actually quite underperformed. It's gotten even worse. Yeah, um, We're gonna throw, let's throw up a chart here real quick of, of some of the volumes that we've been looking at. And I, mean, and I mean, seriously, your mind's gonna be blown here. So blue line is one year, as of this morning, Van volumes. We've seen that a hundred times. Okay, nothing new there. A little bit of a blip there. That might be some Easter uh, support we're getting. Um, you know, either way, it's always nice. To, if you're on the carrier side, it's nice to see the bleeding to to kind of, you know, reside a little bit. But we'll, we'll see if it maintains or if it's uh, just a little relief rally. That green line, though, those are reefer volumes. Those are reefer volumes. They're on the left axis. Uh, I mean, Tony, what do, you, what do you make of those reefer volumes there? I mean, a new one-year low made today, this
1: morning. Yeah. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me when yeah. you think about reefer volumes and you've seen reefer rejections. You kind of look back, reefer rejections up 40%, at around that 40% mark for yeah. much of the past year. Well, now they're down into the mid-teens.
0: Sure.
1: And so, I mean, you're definitely seeing improved carrier compliance, a lot more things moving under contract. I think what's important to remember with like produce season approaching, you don't really get... It's not a lot of contracted freight. It's a lot of spot freight. And really what you would see is kind of like an uptick in rejection rates, which can kind of artificially inflate reefer volumes around produce season. And you really haven't seen that happen yet. So you're seeing a lot more in that contracted reefer market as opposed to that spot market produce that you see kind of pop up. I mean, you've got uh, Mother's Day coming up Mm -hmm. in what? 10 days, yeah. 11 days, right before we uh, go to future supply chain there in Northwest yeah, it's Arkansas. That's a little
0: reminder for all you people out there who still haven't gotten your mother a present yet. So, Tony here yeah. is reminding you. So flowers. And then you've got produce as well. And a
1: yeah. lot of that stuff, what, I mean, what's interesting is you're not seeing the rejection rate pick up. You are seeing some slight tightening in a market like a Lakeland, Florida. Right. But reefer rejections are still like 6% in the market. So it's yeah. not like they're still, surging. Still to falling. Yeah, I mean, they're still remarkably low for right. what you would think. Hey, we're getting a lot of produce is here. It's starting to go out. Well, we're almost through April and it really hasn't shown up in the data.
0: It, it, what, it, what it really kind of begs the question for me is, you know, since you're right, a lot of that produce um, stuff tends to move on the spot market. It's very quick, get it out. It, what it seems to be telling me is shippers just have less of an urgency. It's yeah. like, you know what, it, it can move via contract. It, it's not as urgent to get it there tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it's okay if it takes a day or two extra. Um, and that, that's, I think, what's what's really kind of throwing this market you know, into a bit of a tizzy.
1: Yeah, and, and it's really, it's the van side too. I yeah. mean, it's not just subject to the reefer side. I mean, yeah. the van side, you start looking at volumes. Yeah, we kind of had this, like, as Zach alluded to this morning, this Easter basket kind of, this right. lull, and then we've kind of bounced back slightly. but. Look at accepted volumes over the past year. They're still negative, even yeah. with this little slight uptick. Rejection rates under, what, to under 10%? Yeah, about 9.5. Very quickly approaching under 9%.
0: Yeah. And guess what? levels in a long time.
1: Oh, yeah. What, 2020 on the up? Yeah, about 22 up, months or so. Yeah. And then you've got spot rates down another $0.08. Cents per mile mm-hmm. this week.
0: Let's go ahead and throw that yeah, chart up there. Yeah, so we'll there. pull Great. up the chart.
1: It's got our
0: go. van
1: contract rate in blue Yep. and our truckstop.com national spot rate in, our drive van spot rate in the orange line. Right. And obviously you see the drastic decline there in the spot rate. I mean, yeah. that's, when we were talking about the softening trend, it's really been isolated to the spot market, right? Yeah. I mean, rejections and ultimately falling contracted volumes, it happens in the spot market first, right? right? So those falling rejections show less spot market activity, less spot market activity means lower rates. Yeah. That's kind of what we're seeing here with rates falling. But what's interesting is we've seen kind of this hiccup in contracted rates. Yeah, I think that's worth noting because this is really early April that yeah. we're seeing because those contract rates are reported on a 14 day lag. So we're looking back, I mean, we're talking right before easter right yeah. right before we see this kind of real blip in the uh, in volumes and then that back up yeah. this week so we that's not even priced in yet so it's really kind of makes interesting you ask that your question seeing.
0: of you know like Kyle said earlier are shippers already beginning to try to rebid maybe certain parts of the network maybe not the whole network but maybe certain isolated pieces where it's like less than like spot rates are they're so far below contract on on certain lanes they are the, not all lanes. Some lane spot, rate, spot rates are still way above contract, but on certain lanes, if you're a shipper.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've heard anecdotally that shippers are, they're going through a bid and it gets done. I mean, they finish a bid and then as soon as they're finishing, they're ready or they're wanting to go to a, a second tier bid or a third tier. Just yeah. kind of prolong it because they know rates are falling. And as the, if they can push out this bid cycle, even mm-hmm. maybe like a shorter bid cycle, right? They accept it and start implementing it, but they're ready to go for the next one. Just the really short one can kind of drive these, take advantage yeah. of the lower rate,
0: rates lowering. Spot on. So I've, I think it's, we're, we're running out of time here, folks, but I think it's been, it's been a great episode. Obviously, you know, uh, we're continuing to see the bid cycles continue to develop. A lot of them are shortening there. Companies like a merger helping uh, uh, execute a lot of that stuff. Obviously, we, we've looked at the sonar data and we've seen the freight cycles are changing right? They're beginning to get more volatile and violent. Um, And uh, it's really going to be an interesting market to see how things evolve over the next couple of uh, of weeks. Um, So look forward to uh, seeing you guys next Wednesday live, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. In the meantime, have a fantastic rest of your day and we'll see you next week.